0: To think big, too big, with But tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow, yeah. Did my life.
1: Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God, and we believe that His Word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
0: Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 15, And we're going to start with verse 1, but while reading the Gospel of John, uh, the statement we're going to study tonight seems to just kind of drop out of nowhere. There's really no context for it. It's like, why did he just all of a sudden out of nowhere start talking about uh, vines. Uh, all we really know about this is it was nighttime, uh, and it's possible that Jesus saw a distant vineyard and the disciples with him, uh, and, and because they saw the vineyard, they, you know, uh, it was just easy to teach this particular, uh, parable. Also, it's very possible in the moonlight that, uh, they also saw the temple door and, and perhaps, uh, uh, the vine that's on the top of the temple. Uh, door is is what you know called this to uh, uh, his mind for him to to make this illustration. But most scholars think there was really neither of those things, but that he told this parable about the vine because of the wine they had just drunk at the Last Supper. So let's pick up in the verse, uh, John chapter fifteen and verse one. And Jesus said this. He said, "I am the true." Vine. Now, he said this implying that there are false vines. So if there's a true vine, there can also be untrue or false vines. Have you ever met people that were more black than white, uh, more Hispanic, Baptist, maybe, than a Pentecostal, Lutheran, and, or a Presbyterian than Christian? I mean, whatever their label was, they were more that than anything else. And Jesus was about to teach the disciples that uh, true joy, comes from being exclusively rooted in Him. So the disciples' identity at this point in history was no longer to primarily come from their Jewishness or their ethnicity uh, or their heritage, if you will, uh, or even from the joy of the drink that was at the table. You see, it's easy to be confused about these things uh, when you really don't know who you are. So Jesus was giving them a new identity so they could know who they were so they wouldn't be confused about external issues. Let's dig into this a little bit more. This is Bible study and this is what we do, Psalms chapter. 80 and verse eight. The psalmist says, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. What is he speaking of? Remember the 10 plagues? Remember uh, when Moses parted the Red Sea? God is of course here speaking of Israel. And then he goes on and he says, you have cast out nations and planted it. Speaking of the vine that was taken out of Egypt. So what was taken out of Egypt? A vine. What does a vine represent? Excuse me. Or who does a vine represent? It represents Israel. You see, the God of Israel said to the Jewish people that I've given you a land which you did not labor, uh, cities which you did not build, vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. God did uh, amazing things with the Jewish nation. Hosea 10 and 1. It says this. Israel, Israel, okay? Empties his vine. Again, Israel is likened to what? A vine. So this is plentiful throughout the entire Old Testament. And he brings forth fruit for himself. So we see here that God intended... Israel or the this this vine to bring joy to the nations because in Psalms one o four fifteen the Bible says wine makes a heart merry so uh the symbolism here is the joy that was supposed to come out of Israel. Jeremiah two and twenty-one, God says this to Judah, he says, Yet I had planted you a noble watch this vine, a seed of the highest quality. How then have you turned me into the degenerate plant of an alien? Or a wild, crazy vine. Again, Jeremiah uses the imagery of a vine to reflect or represent God's people. Ezekiel 15 and 6. Ezekiel says the same thing. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, like the wood of the vine, like the wood of the what? Vine. So he likens what's, well, what he's about to liken to the vine is about to become apparent or who he does. Like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for few, so I will give the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now I got a little tongue tied there, but but what he's saying is that basically Jerusalem or the people of Jerusalem uh, were being represented by the what vine. So over and over and over again in the Old Testament, we see that the vine represented the Jewish people. But in this verse, Jesus applies this this imagery to himself as the ultimate seed of. Abraham. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, all the promises in God, all of them, all the promises of God at this point, all the New Testament wasn't written. He was referring to, uh, the old covenant at this particular point. All the promises of God in him, in Christ are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Which means every good thing that was promised to Israel has become ours in Christ. Jesus is the ultimate Israelite. He is the ultimate seed of Abraham. Uh, He is the one that all of the promises were written for, and when we're in him, all those promises become available to us. This is why we still read the Old Covenant, because the promises that were to Christ or to the seed are ours in him. John 15, 1. He started with I am, which we've talked about this in the past, is ego imai, ego imai. Uh, and, And that is the same language that was used in Septuagint, For God, or from God, actually, from his mouth, it was uh, the language that was used uh, when he spoke to Moses and he said, I am who I am. So I am is a big deal. Everyone recognized that Jesus was saying something very, 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 very powerful. He was very unapologetic about his Deity. He knew he got people mad when he talked about it, but he talked about it nonetheless. He said, I am the what? True vine. And there are numerous I am statements throughout the book of John. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I, am you know, there, there's, there's several. I am the way to true the life. There's several I ams. And basically what he's doing when he says these I am statements, his ego, emi statements, he is saying that I am Jehovah. And, uh, th- th- these are powerful statements, but he says, I am The true vine. I am the ultimate seed of Abraham. So, our spiritual identity is no longer uh, tied to, uh, you know, or, or the disciples' uh, spiritual identity was no longer to be tied to the, to their Jewishness, but the fact that they tapped into Christ. And because, you know, whether you're Jewish, whether you're, uh, you know, from Kenya, whether you're from Australia, whether you're from uh, China or, or South America, we could all tap into the same vine, which is very, 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 very important. So when we begin to really follow Christ, I'm not talking about just becoming a churchy person. I mean, a real follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus becomes a source of a new identity that transcends race. It transcends culture. It transcends age. It transcends uh, uh, class and, and every other thing. You see, the problem with us, or at least many of us, is we identify with everything else, but Jesus the Christ. I mean, we're black or we're white and or we're young, we're old, we're Democrat, we're, we're Republican, we're male, we're female, everything except Christ. But Jesus said, listen, I am the true vine. I am the true source of life that needs to be tapped into for for, for fruit to be born. So he says, I am the true vine. And then he says, and my father. So Jesus in this uh, imagery or parable um, has a, a role and my father also has a role, or Jesus' father. And my father is a what? vine dresser. Now, the King James version uses the interesting word. He, it uses the word husbandman. And, uh, the husbandman, uh, is actually is really accurate there because it, it, it denotes, uh, not only a, uh, vine dresser, but the owner of the vineyard. So, uh, the father is both, uh, the vine dresser as well as the owner, owner of the, the, the vineyard. So God has a, a, a greater vested interest in, all of us being fruitful or each of us being fruitful than we ever, ever imagined. He said, and my father is the what vine dresser. Now something else I think you need to know about a vine dresser, a vine dresser's major concern is not so much how beautiful the vineyard looks, but it's really all about fruitfulness. It is not about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the outward appearance, it's about what the vineyard produces. And, and God cares a whole lot more about how we are than than how we look. And uh, the vine dresser, again, his role is not just to make it look great. And there are a lot of churches that look great. There's a lot of people that look great. Uh, but the fruitfulness is the thing that the vine vineyard or the, the vine dresser uh, is, is super concerned about. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, this is what the Father does. This is the Father's role. So if if you want the Father in your life, this is what He's going to do. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Now, I want you to notice, though, the vine is perfect. Uh, In this uh, metaphor, or if you want to call it a parable, um, the vine is never judged. The vine is never condemned uh, by the Father. Only the branches. So the problem is never with the father. The problem is never with Jesus. The only problem is with the branches. So never leave your roots. Just grow new branches. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So this is not about looking good, smelling good, feeling good. These are about the things that God measures in each of our lives. And God, he 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 knows how to measure stuff. He sees the heart. He knows what's what's going on. He said, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, watch what the Father does. He takes away. Now, there is some controversy over this particular verse. Uh, the Greek verb translated uh, take away here, which is arrow, uh, can also be translated lifted up. So uh, some say that the idea is that the Father lifts up unproductive vines off the ground as was common in ancient practices uh, so that they might get a little more sun and and also uh bear fruit a little bit better and by the way this is where our, our the the arbors come from or these trellises come from because often vines were lifted off the ground and uh that was just part of the process to make them more uh, fruitful but he says this every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes Oh wait, now I'm not completely sure the, the answer to the debate, but what is clear is that you can be in Christ in the vine and not be fruitful. Now this may surprise you, but my goal um, as a pastor was never to be big. My only goal was to be as effective and as faithful as possible. Growth has kind of been the, 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 the byproduct to all that. And, uh, God wants each of us to be fruitful. He wants us to, to, to have results in our lives. He doesn't want to just take up space. He doesn't want us just to look pretty. He wants us to have results in our lives. In every branch that bears fruit, watch what he does. He prunes. So the first group, there's two categories here. The first group, they don't bear fruit, he takes them away. But the second category stays, but this category is pruned. And what I'm I'm learning is taking me years and I'm still working on it. But what I'm learning is when people leave me, I have to learn to start crying just a little bit less. Because some people must be taken away. Because they're not producing anything good. They're just a burden to the life that God has placed in us. And he has to, in his wisdom, make a good decision for the kingdom and say, you know what, this person or this Situation, it it is not adding to you. It it is weighing you down. It it has become a burden to you, and because of that, son or daughter, I gotta make some some cuts. So I'm learning to, you know, when when people leave me and and people do stuff, you know, I'm learning to embrace it. Say, so you know what? It's possible, Father, that 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 is actually your hand because that person was not producing the type of fruit. In my life, or our relationship was not producing the type of fruit that uh, he wanted and called for, and every branch, no exclusion that bears fruit, he what prunes so this seems like there's a penalty for being fruitful, but it 's not. however, it is the reality for people who want to grow, so Jesus is saying now he is the Word of God, and he is saying God is speaking, and, and this is something that cannot be appealed. It cannot be amended. It will never be changed. He saying, if you bear fruit, get ready, get ready, get, get 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 ready, because here comes the saw. Here comes the shears. Here comes the scissors. He said, every, no exception, no space, special cases or exclusions, Every branch that bears fruit gets his special attention and he prunes. What we see here is the pruning process is not a sign of God's displeasure. In fact, it's the opposite. But as a a young believer, I often felt, God, you must be mad at me. God, I must have done something wrong for you to cut me back like that. And when you when you're in, when you're the subject of the pruning, it never feels good. And and you know it, it you know he says every branch that bears fruit, he what prunes prunes. So I mean, if God is constantly hacking on you, sawing on you, cutting on you, I mean, how 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 can you think you know, Lord? It's easy to think you, you God, you can't be for me. Um, God, how is it that 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 you love me? How could something that hurts this bad somehow be good for me? But here, here's what I want to tell you today: D- don't don't be confused. Getting cut back is not the same as getting cut off. It may hurt. It may uh, be a little disappointing, but you will thank God when it's over. It's all part of the growing. Process And if you're not pruned, that really means you're not fruitful. If you're not pruned, that really means the father is not really a vital part of your life. He says in every, there's no exception, no exclusion. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much money you have. There's no exclusions. Every branch that bears fruit. The father prunes, but watch the purpose, that it may bear more fruit. Have you ever seen a recently pruned tree? In my neighborhood, I have seen quite a few. And they are really, really pitiful looking trees. I mean, at one point, there was this gorgeous tree. And then you see them cut back, cut down. It seemed like the owner was mad at them or or someone that didn't like them. And I want you to imagine, you know, you yourself being, you know, one of these beautiful trees. I mean, you're you're bearing some fruit. But God knows that you're not yet where you're going. So, so God's like, you know, I love you and I, I, I'm for you. I'm so proud of you. But he starts cutting on you. Uh, you know what? You you did such a great job and and I want to promote you. And then all you hear is eh. your future is bright. And 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 man, I have an expected end for you. But eh. you know, you, you're going to be such a blessing to all those in your life. Eh. I'm going to use you greatly. Eh. And this can be our experience with the father. And if you don't understand the teachings of Jesus, you're going to be a little bit confused. And in this COVID season, I think some of us are dealing with "Eh." it. And it's not because God doesn't love us. It's because he wants us to be more fruitful and every branch that bears fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. So, The purpose of this Bible study tonight is to tell you that you were not cut back because you were bad. He cut you back actually because you were doing good. He just knew you could do better. And, you know, the enemy of best is often good. You're like, Lord, my life is good. You know, it was good. Well, God said there's better. And the only way we can get to better, I got to chop some things, cut some things. I know it's going to hurt. I'll hold your hand through it. I'll be with you. But our lives may look like what I'm about to show you in this season. But This is important. But it's only prepared to prepare you for the next season. See, when you're in that season and God cuts you back, it's like, God, this is humiliating. This is embarrassing. Look at all those other trees. I got nothing. You know, I'm, I'm just this bare stick sticking out of the ground. I look ridiculous. But it wasn't that God wanted to humiliate you as much as God was saying, listen, in this season, I'm going to prepare you for the next season. And when you're in that season, it doesn't make sense. When you're in that season, like, God, you're cruel. This cannot be good. But it's not for this season. It's for the next season. And I know I've been through some seasons where he has cut me bare. And I was like, God, I look like an idiot. God, I don't even know why anyone would even want to hear my testimony because of the way you you cut me, God. There's nothing attractive about what you've done in my life. And what God was was showing me and was trying to tell me, he said, "Son, just trust me. This is not for the season you're in. It is for the next season. And the thing is, God sees the seasons ahead, so He's dealing with you this way in this season for the next season. In every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear what more fruit. So God is not mad at you. He, he's mad." About you, and uh, he just wants to make your future secure, and he he's willing to say, "Hey, son, take the hit. Hey, daughter, take the hit here. Hey, deal with some pain here, because the joy on the other side is going to be more than 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 worth this." But also, let me break this down for you just a little bit more. Even the most healthy vines, all vines. This is just this is, you know, vines from around the world, still produces some level of unproductive. Growth. And that's why Jesus likens himself to the vine. In fact, the longer the vine, the more dead wood begins to appear over time. But the problem with dead wood is it invites disease and it invites decay. So Jesus likens himself to a vine, but even the perfect vine will at some point begin to produce branches that Uh, 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 are just dead wood and become a burden to the vine itself. I like what one man said. I want to read it. He said, it is painful to bleed, but it's far worse to wither and die. I'd rather be pruned to grow than cut up to burn. And here's the deal. We have a choice. Do you want to be cut off or do you want to be cut back? And, you know, the thing is, I'm in the earth. You're in the earth to be fruitful. God, I want to be effective in my marriage. I want to be effective in my relationship. I want to be effective on the job. I want to be a blessing to those around me. And Lord, if that means a little cutback, and that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. That's why He say, take up my cross and what? follow me because he got cut back on the cross. He got totally cut down on the cross. He was reduced uh, to, to, to just a level. Matter of fact, people couldn't even recognize him. He was so beaten and humiliated on the cross. But he endured that for the, the glory that was uh, on the other side. The Bible actually says for the joy that was uh, uh, on the other side for him. And, and here's the deal. Uh, we will go through seasons of cutback, but it's not because God's cutting you off. It's because he's setting you up for success in the next season. So you're struggling in your relationship. So uh, some things have come to the surface. You have some problems deal with them in this season in this season you may be embarrassed about your relationship. You may be embarrassed about where you are in life. You was by the certain age, you are supposed to be X, Y, and Z and you're upset. And you're like, how, how can this be? Well, your life's not over. And these former seasons are to prep you for the next season. So let God do his work because he is an expert hus- husbandman. He is an expert vine dresser. He knows how to deal with vines. Vines is what he does, if you will. He knows how to make it work for each of us in our particular context. And, and, but you got to go through the process. You got to allow that cut in order for you to begin to bear the fruit that he, he wants for you. He said, Verse three, he he continues said, "You are already clean," speaking to the disciples, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now this is important because this is why the devil will fight you so hard about being in a house like 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 Grace Church, because he knows our whole goal is to get you God's word, and God's word will will clean you up and it will also grow you up. He said, "You are clean because of the what word," and a lot of places you get a whole lot of other stuff but not a whole lot of word.
1: This has been Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. Access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join the Grace Church family for worship online every Sunday and Wednesday on social media at gracechurchva.org or on our website at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, live big.
0: I have something I want you to try tomorrow. Set the alarm clock 15 minutes early, and when the alarm clock goes off, do not immediately get up. Take a few minutes to lay quietly in God's presence. David says in Psalm 63, verse 6, On my bed. I remember you. It's amazing the direction God will give us if we would just slow down, get quiet, and wait for him. Psalms 46 and 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. For me, one of the best times to do this is first thing in the morning, before the business and cares of the day begin to settle in. So try this first thing tomorrow morning and watch God meet you in this moment. I'd like to pray for you. I pray the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, meet you tomorrow morning with the answers you need. Jesus promises, ask and it shall be given us. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. That's gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big.